Chapter 40 of Book 9 of History of Animals by Aristotle. Translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 40. So much for the spider. Of insects, there is a genus that has no one name that comprehends all the species, though all the species are akin to one another in form. It consists of all the insects that construct a honeycomb, to it the bee, and all the insects that resemble it in form. There are nine varieties, of which six are gregarious, the bee, the king bee, the drone bee, the annual wasp, and furthermore the anthrene, or hornet, and the tenthredo, or ground wasp. Three are solitary, the smaller siren, of a dun color, the larger siren, black and speckled, and the third, the largest of all, that is called the humble bee. Now, ants never go a-hunting, but gather up what is ready to hand. The spider makes nothing, and lays up no store, but simply goes a-hunting for its food, while the bee for we shall by and by treat of the nine varieties, does not go a-hunting, but constructs its food out of gathered material and stores it away, for honey is the bee's food. This fact is shown by the beekeeper's attempt to remove the combs, for the bees, when they are fumigated and are suffering great distress from the process, then devour the honey most ravenously, whereas at other times they are never observed to be so greedy, but apparently are thrifty and disposed to lay by for their future sustenance. They have also another food which is called bee bread. This is scarcer than honey, and has a sweet fig-like taste. This they carry as they do the wax on their legs. Very remarkable diversity is observed in their methods of working, and their general habits. When the hive has been delivered to them clean and empty, they build their waxen cells, bringing in the juice of all kinds of flowers and the tears, or exuding sap of trees, such as willows and elms, and such others as are particularly given to the exudation of gum. With this material they besmear the groundwork, to provide against attacks of other creatures. The beekeepers call this stuff stop-wax. They also, with the same material, narrow by side-building the entrances to the hive if they are too wide. They first build cells for themselves, then for the so-called kings and the drones. For themselves they are always building, for the kings only when the brood of young is numerous and cells for the drones they build, if a superabundance of honey should suggest their doing so. They build the royal cells next to their own, and they are of small bulk. The drones' cells they build nearby, and these latter are less in bulk than the bee cells. They begin building the combs downwards from the top of the hive, and go down and down, building many combs, connected together until they reach the bottom. The cells, 
both those for the honey and those also for the grubs are double-dorned for two cells are ranged about a single base one pointing one way and one the other after the manner of a double or hourglass-shaped goblet the cells that lie at the commencement of the combs and are attached to the hives to the extent of two or three concentric circular rows are small and devoid of honey the cells that are well filled with honey are most thoroughly looted with wax at the entry to the hive the aperture of the doorway is smeared with mitis this substance is a deep black and is a sort of dross or residual by-product of wax it has a pungent odor and is a cure for bruises and suppurating sores the greasy stuff that comes next is pitch wax it has a less pungent odor and is less medicinal than the mitis some say that the drones construct combs by themselves in the same hive and in the same comb that they share with the bees but that they make no honey but subsist they and their grubs also on the honey made by the bees the drones as a rule keep inside the hive when they go out of doors they soar up in the air in a stream whirling round and round in a kind of gymnastic exercise when this is over they come inside the hive and feed to repletion ravenously the kings never quit the hive except in conjunction with the entire swarm either for food or for any other reason they say that if a young swarm go astray it will turn back upon its route and by the aid of scent seek out its leader it is said that if he is unable to fly he is carried by the swarm and that if he dies the swarm perishes and that if this swarm outlives the king for a while and constructs combs no honey is produced and the bees soon die out bees scramble up the stalks of flowers and rapidly gather the bees wax with their front legs the front legs wipe it off on to the middle legs and these pass it on to the hollow curves of the hind legs when thus laden they fly away home and one may see plainly that their load is a heavy one on each expedition the bee does not fly from a flower of one kind to a flower of another but flies from one violet say to another violet and never meddles with another flower until it has got back to the hive on reaching the hive they throw off their load and each bee on his return is accompanied by three or four companions one cannot well tell what is the substance they gather nor the exact process of their work their mode of gathering wax has been observed on olive trees as owing to the thickness of the leaves the bees remain stationary for a considerable while after this work is over they attend to the grubs there is nothing to prevent grubs honey and drones being all found in one and the same comb as long as the leader is alive the drones are said to be produced apart by themselves if he be no longer living they are said to be reared by the bees in their own cells and under these circumstances to become more spirited for this reason they are called sting drones not that they really have stings but that they have the wish without the power to use such weapons the cells for the drones are larger than the others 
Sometimes the bees construct cells for the drones apart, but usually they put them in amongst their own. And when this is the case, the beekeepers cut the drone cells out of the combs. There are several species of bees, as has been said, two of kings, the better kind red, the other black and variegated, and twice as big as the working bee. The best working bee is small, round, and speckled. Another kind is long and like an anthrene wasp. Another kind is what is called the robber bee, black and flat-bellied. Then there is the drone, the largest of all, but devoid of sting and lazy. There is a difference between the progeny of bees that inhabit cultivated land and of those from the mountains. The forest bees are more shaggy, smaller, more industrious, and more fierce. Working bees make their combs all even, with the superficial covering quite smooth. Each comb is of one kind only, that is, it contains either bees only, or grubs only, or drones only. If it happen, however, that they make in one and the same comb all these kinds of cells, each separate kind will be built in a continuous row right through. The long bees build uneven combs, with the lids of the cells protuberant, like those of the anthrene. Grubs and everything else have no fixed places, but are put anywhere. From these bees come inferior kings, a large quantity of drones, and the so-called robber bee. They produce either no honey at all, or honey in very small quantities. Bees brood over the combs, and so mature them. If they fail to do so, the combs are said to go bad, and to get covered with a sort of spider's web. If they can keep brooding over the part undamaged, the damaged part simply eats itself away. If they cannot so brood, the entire comb perishes. In the damaged combs, small worms are engendered, which take on wings and fly away. When the combs keep settling down, the bees restore the level surface and put props underneath the combs to give themselves free passage room. For if such free passage be lacking, they cannot brood, and the cobwebs come on. When the robber bee and the drone appear, not only do they do no work themselves, but they actually damage the work of the other bees. If they are caught in the act, they are killed by the working bees. These bees also kill without mercy most of their kings, and especially kings of the inferior sort. And this they do, for fear a multiplicity of kings should lead to a dismemberment of the hive. They kill them especially when the hive is deficient in grubs, and a swarm is not intended to take place. Under these circumstances they destroy the cells of the kings if they have been prepared, on the ground that these kings are always ready to lead out swarms. They destroy also the combs of the drones if a failure in the honey supply be threatening, and the hive runs short of provisions. Under such circumstances they fight desperately with all who try to take their honey, and eject from the hive all the resident drones and oftentimes the drones are to be seen sitting apart in the hive. 
the little bees fight vigorously with the long kind and try to banish them from the hives. If they succeed, the hive will be unusually productive. But if the bigger bees get left mistresses of the field, they pass the time in idleness and do no good at all but die out before the autumn. Whenever the working bees kill an enemy, they try to do so out of doors. And whenever one of their own body dies, they carry the dead bee out of doors also. The so-called robber bees spoil their own combs, and if they can do so unnoticed, enter and spoil the combs of other bees. If they are caught in the act, they are put to death. It is no easy task for them to escape detection, for there are sentinels on guard at every entry, and even if they do escape detection on entering, afterwards from a surfeit of food they cannot fly but go rolling about in front of the hive, so that their chances of escape are small indeed. The kings are never themselves seen outside the hive except with a swarm in flight, during which time all the other bees cluster around them. When the flight of a swarm is imminent, a monotonous and quite peculiar sound made by all the bees is heard for several days, and for two or three days, in advance, a few bees are seen flying round the hive. It has never as yet been ascertained, owing to the difficulty of the observation, whether or no the king is among these. When they have swarmed, they fly away and separate off to each of the kings. If a small swarm happens to settle near to a large one, it will shift to join this large one, and if the king, whom they have abandoned, follows them, they put him to death. So much for the quitting of the hive and the swarm flight. Separate detachments of bees are told off for diverse operations. That is, some carry flower produce, others carry water, others smooth and arrange the combs. A bee carries water when it is rearing grubs. No bee ever settles on the flesh of any creature or ever eats animal food. They have no fixed date for commencing work, but when their provender is forthcoming and they are in comfortable trim, and by preference in summer, they set to work, and when the weather is fine they work incessantly. The bee, when quite young, and in fact only three days old, after shedding its chrysalis case, begins to work if it be well fed. When a swarm is settling, some bees detach themselves in search of food and return back to the swarm. In hives that are in good condition, the production of young bees is discontinued only for the forty days that follow the winter solstice. When the grubs are grown, the bees put food beside them and cover them with a coating of wax, and as soon as the grub is strong enough, he of his own accord breaks the lid and comes out. Creatures that make their appearance in hives and spoil the combs, the working bees clear out. But the other bees, from sheer laziness, look with indifference on damage done to their produce. When the bee-masters take out the combs, they leave enough food behind for winter use. If it be sufficient in quantity, the occupants of the hive will survive. If it be insufficient, then, if the weather be rough, they die on the spot. But if it be fair, they fly away 
and to desert the hive. They feed on honey, summer and winter, but they store up another article of food resembling wax in hardness, which by some is called sandarake or bee-bread. Their worst enemies are wasps and the birds named titmice, and furthermore the swallow and the bee-eater. The frogs in the marsh also catch them if they come in their way by the water-side, and for this reason bee-keepers chase the frogs from the ponds from which the bees take water. They destroy also wasps' nests and the nests of swallows in the neighborhood of the hives, and also the nests of bee-eaters. Bees have fear only of one another. They fight with one another and with wasps. Away from the hive they attack neither their own species nor any other creature, but in the close proximity of the hive they kill whatever they get hold of. Bees that sting die from their inability to extract the sting, without at the same time extracting their intestines. True, they often recover if the person stung takes the trouble to press the sting out, but once it loses its sting the bee must die. They can kill with their stings, even large animals. In fact, a horse has been known to have been stung to death by them. The kings are the least disposed to show anger or to inflict a sting. Bees that die are removed from the hive, and in every way the creature is remarkable for its cleanly habits. In point of fact, they often fly away to a distance to avoid their excrement because it is malodorous, and, as has been said, they are annoyed by all bad smells, and by the scent of perfumes, so much so that they sting people that use perfumes. They perish from a number of accidental causes, and when their kings become too numerous and try each to carry away a portion of the swarm. The toad also feeds on bees. He comes to the doorway of the hive, puffs himself out as he sits on the watch, and devours the creatures as they come flying out. The bees can in no way retaliate, but the beekeeper makes a point of killing him. As for the class of bee that has been spoken of as inferior or good for nothing, and as constructing its combs so roughly, some beekeepers say that it is the young bees that act so from inexperience, and the bees of the current year are termed young. The young bees do not sting as the others do, and it is for this reason that swarms may be safely carried, as it is of young bees, that they are composed. When honey runs short, they expel the drones, and the beekeepers supply the bees with figs and sweet-tasting articles of food. The elder bees do the indoor work, and are rough and hairy from staying indoors. The young bees do the outer carrying, and are comparatively smooth. They kill the drones also, when in their work they are confined for room. The drones, by the way, live in the innermost recess of the hive. On one occasion, when a hive was in a poor condition, some of the occupants assailed a foreign hive. Proving victorious in a combat, they took to carrying off the honey. When the beekeeper tried to kill them, the other bees came out and tried to beat off the enemy, but made no attempt to sting the man.
the diseases that chiefly attack prosperous hives are first of all the clarus. This consists in a growth of little worms on the floor, from which, as they develop a kind of cobweb, grows over the entire hive, and the combs decay. Another diseased condition is indicated in a lassitude on the part of the bees, and in malodorousness of the hive. Bees feed on thyme, and the white thyme is better than the red. In summer the place for the hive should be cool, and in winter warm. They are very apt to fall sick if the plant they are at work on be mildewed. In a high wind they carry a stone by way of ballast to steady them. If a stream be near at hand, they drink from it, and from it only, but before they drink, they first deposit their load. If there be no water near at hand, they disgorge their honey as they drink elsewhere, and at once make off to work. There are two seasons for making honey, spring and autumn. The spring honey is sweeter whiter and in every way better than the autumn honey. Superior honey comes from fresh comb, and from young shoots. The red honey is inferior, and owes its inferiority to the comb in which it is deposited, just as wine is apt to be spoiled by its cask. Consequently, one should have it looked to and dried. When the thyme is in flower and the comb is full, the honey does not harden. The honey that is golden in hue is excellent. White honey does not come from thyme pure and simple. It is good as a salve for sore eyes and wounds. Poor honey always floats on the surface and should be skimmed off. The fine clear honey rests below. When the floral world is in full bloom, then they make wax. Consequently, you must then take the wax out of the hive, for they go to work on new wax at once. The flowers from which they gather honey are as follows. The spindle tree, the melilot clover, king's spear, myrtle, flowering reed, withy, and broom. When they work at time, they mix in water before sealing up the comb. As has been already stated, they all either fly to a distance to discharge their excrement, or make the discharge into one single comb. The little bees, as has been said, are more industrious than the big ones. Their wings are battered, their color is black, and they have a burnt-up aspect. Gaudy and showy bees, like gaudy and showy women, are good for nothings. Bees seem to take a pleasure in listening to a rattling noise, and consequently men say that they can muster them into a hive by rattling with crockery or stones. It is uncertain, however, whether or no they can hear the noise at all, and also whether their procedure is due to pleasure or alarm. They expel from the hive all idlers and unthrifts. As has been said, they differentiate their work. Some make wax, some make honey, some make bee bread, some shape and mold combs, some bring water to the cells and mingle it with the honey, some engage in out-of-door work. 
At early dawn they make no noise, until some one particular bee makes a buzzing noise two or three times, and thereby awakes the rest. Hereupon they all fly in a body to work. By and by they return, and at first are noisy. Then the noise gradually decreases, until at last some one bee flies round about, making a buzzing noise and apparently calling on the others to go to sleep. Then, all of a sudden, there is a dead silence. The hive is known to be in good condition if the noise heard within it is loud, and if the bees make a flutter as they go out and in, for at this time they are constructing brood cells. They suffer most from hunger when they recommence work after winter. They become somewhat lazy if the beekeeper, in robbing the hive, leave behind too much honey. Still, one should leave cells numerous in proportion to the population, for the bees work in a spiritless way if too few combs are left. They become idle also, as being dispirited, if the hive be too big. A hive yields to the beekeeper six or nine pints of honey. A prosperous hive will yield twelve or fifteen pints, exceptionally good hives eighteen. Sheep, and as has been said, wasps are enemies to the bees. Beekeepers entrap the latter by putting a flat dish on the ground with pieces of meat on it. When a number of the wasps settle on it, they cover them with a lid and put the dish and its contents on the fire. It is a good thing to have a few drones in a hive, as their presence increases the industry of the workers. Bees can tell the approach of rough weather or of rain, and the proof is that they will not fly away, but even while it is as yet fine they go fluttering about within a restricted space, and the beekeeper knows from this that they are expecting bad weather. When the bees inside the hive hang clustering to one another, it is a sign that the swarm is intending to quit. Consequently, beekeepers, on seeing this, besprinkle the hive with sweet wine. It is advisable to plant about the hive pear trees, beans, median grass, Syrian grass, yellow pulse, myrtle, poppies, creeping thyme, and almond trees. Some beekeepers sprinkle their bees with flour and can distinguish them from others when they are at work out of doors. If the spring be late, or if there be drought or blight, then grubs are all the fewer in the hives. So much for the habits of bees. End of chapter 40